welcome to another episode of Inspired Women Gathering. This is a show that talks about all things from life, relationships, spirituality, business, and everything in between. Women are so inspiring, living their stories, finding resilience, resourcefulness, tenacity, and the powerful impact that we make in the world. I love connecting and having deep conversations, sharing with you the women I am inspired by and so blessed to know. My name is Dixie Bennett, I'm your host, and a soulful, a soulful woman in wealth coach and healer, helping heart-centered entrepreneurial women heal their self-worth, embody their soul purpose, and create sustainable business with heart. And I created this platform to highlight amazing women who I come across and connect with. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you my guest, Sarah Wayne, and our topic today is Master Your Mind and Your Life. Almost 15 years ago, Sarah struggled with chronic pain, anxiety, depression, severe digestive problems, and many other health challenges that led her to become a certified nutritionist training at Bowman College of Holistic Nutrition in 2005. To heal herself first and then leaving her corporate career behind, she joined the staff as an instructor and community outreach leader. She has taught classes on nutrition, healing, and mindset all throughout the San Francisco Bay Area in hospitals, clinics, schools, gyms, and corporations. Later, developing her natural gifts as an intuitive energy healer and medical medium, while deep in the study of mindset, quantum physics, neuroscience, universal laws, and ancient spiritual wisdom. Today, Sarah guides clients to heal their body, master their mind, and find their purpose, where she developed the proven and powerful five-step integration formula that helps overwhelmed and busy women to awaken to new possibilities and quickly generate positive change in all areas of their life. And in 2016, Sarah and her husband Adam gave birth to their first, first child, um, which took a radical shift when they discovered she was born with a very rare genetic abnormality and brain injury. The journey that um, the journey to help their baby get well brought Sarah even deeper into her practices of mastering the mind, choosing love over fear, and living consciously with purpose. Wow, thank you, Sarah, so much for being here today. Thank you, Dixie. Thank you so much for having me. So I know, um, so tell us where in the San Francisco Bay Area you are, because it's a large, a large area. Yeah, I'm just about 30 minutes outside of the San Francisco area in Vallejo. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Well, sounds like you've been on quite a journey. So I'd love for you just to, let's just dive into your story. I'd love for you to share a little bit about what you were going through back in 2005 and, and really that journey of self-discovery and what brought you here and now. Yeah. Okay. All right. I will just kind of jump into where it was the most painful. Mm. So I was in my career out of college as a graphic designer. I was working in downtown San Francisco and my body was giving out on me. So I was about 23 at the time and 24. And my wrists had severe carpal tunnel. My digestive issues were so severe I could barely eat rice at times. I had a hard time going up a flight of stairs without being out of breath and hurting. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing all types of different doctors and my tests would always come back as normal and there's nothing wrong with you. And so I decided that I was, I was not going to live my life like this. And I had, as a child, watched my, my Nana die of cancer. Mm -hmm. And when I had two doctors tell me that it looked like my body might be showing signs of cancer, mm -hmm. I basically like made the commitment that that was not going to be my future. Just bottom line, I was going to change the way um, I was doing life. And so I decided to just start spending all my time researching health and healing and how to heal your body naturally without medication, because that's all that was being thrown at me was medication or um, anti-anxiety or anti-depression pills. And I actually rejected all of that. It did not feel right to my body. And so what I discovered was, First of all, I just needed to learn how to nourish my body, just give it the fuel that actually would help it heal. And that was huge. You know, that definitely made a big, significant difference. Going to nutrition school was uh, the next step for me. So I left my career, went to nutrition school to really learn for myself how to heal my body, what I really needed. 
And that was huge in giving me the clarity uh, to see how off we all live, like really just how toxic our world is, how far from nature many people are living. And so I became inspired to work with people and support people. And I started actually teaching classes at the company I was working at. I was teaching nutrition classes um, to the corporate um, place that I was working at the time. And I realized this was my passion. This is really where I needed to spend my time. My job became boring. It was not an interest to me. And so I went full in uh, into nutrition and healing and I loved teaching. And then I realized I still wasn't feeling well. Like I felt much better. I felt I was definitely on a better path, taking care of myself, eating really healthy. I was always athletic, so I was always very physical, but I, I just felt like something was missing. Like why wasn't I, my energy wasn't fully back. I still felt weak. I still felt uh, anxiety and depression. And that's when I became really curious about the mind and how our mind affects how we live. And from there, I became exposed to um, Dr. Bruce Lipton's work, The Biology of Belief. And I was at an event with him and that just basically changed everything as well for me. Like, okay, there's so much more to this than just the physical. And that led me down a whole path of learning about epigenetics and quantum physics and then the neuroscience. And so I became fascinated with how our thinking and our beliefs affect our reality. Mm -hmm. And it was actually when I learned that what was really, really affecting me was how I was holding onto the energy from my past. Right. That was the biggest thing that changed everything for me with healing was when I learned how to start to clear other people's energy and energy from my past. Mm -hmm. That made the most significant difference in me finally feeling like I had energy again, that I was able to tune into my own self, that I actually knew what it felt like to be me. Yeah. And so that just became my life's work. <laughs> it really became what fuels me to get up every day and, and help people on their journey to healing their body and healing their minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all super, super important. I love Bruce Lipton's work. Um, <clears throat> my awakening actually was with Carolyn Mace. I don't know if you follow her or know her, um, her work at all, but she's a medical medium. And um, I remember her book, The Anatomy of the Spirit, was one of the first books that awakened me into something bigger that was going on. Um, and it was very um, connecting into the energy and the emotions of the chakra system. And, and she talked a lot about different aspects of religion, how it played into the energy field. And then I got introduced to Bruce Lipton's work uh, years later. Um, but yeah, the biology of our energy fields and our cellular structure and the emotions and our ancestors all play a huge, a big part in it. Um, where did you first find, or when did you realize that maybe you were more intuitive? Do you re recall a time of awakening? So there's a memory that always stuck with me um, in high school, mm -hmm. and it was when I was, I was sitting in a group of friends we're at someone's house and we were just in this big group and people are talking and this girl comes into the room to ask her mom she was like a someone younger than all of us we were in high school she was the little sister of someone she came in and asked her mom uh what she needed from the grocery store and she was listing off some things and it sounds really funny and random but she was giving her her list and when she said broccoli I heard in my mind, how do you spell broccoli? And I knew how to spell broccoli. And that wasn't my inner voice. And I was wondering, I was like, that was an interesting thought. And then a second later, she said, how do you spell broccoli? Like, okay, that was interesting. Kind of just parked that. And then later this started happening more and more in class. I would hear what teachers were going to say right before they'd say it. And first, I didn't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really have any training or support in that. 
but then it started to become really clear that I would sit in the bus and I would feel people's energy who just sat next to me. So I would all of a sudden feel shoulder pain or knee pain. And I, eventually this was affirmed to me when I would ask people who I knew, how's your knee? And they would tell me, oh, I just injured it in a class earlier today. Yeah. And so I would get this confirmation that, okay, I'm picking up on some energy that's not really my own in the sense of like, you know, in the physical world. Right. And so I started to kind of become more open to what that might be all about and how to explore that. I didn't, no one ever talked about that in my family about extrasensory gifts. And um, my mom kind of alluded to it that my great grandmother was like that, but didn't talk about it. And so it was actually one day my mother-in-law took us to this bookstore, this metaphysical bookstore, actually not far from where I am here in Benicia, California. And in the bookstore, this woman was taking aura photos. And so we decided I'll get our aura photos taken. I've never done anything like this. Um, I really wasn't much of like woo-woo person, although I'm very open-minded and more curious. I was more in the science-based kind of like show me, prove it to me kind of thing. So this was just all like a new exploration for me, but I was interested. Mm -hmm. Get my aura photo taken and everyone's has this color and you know different she's interpreting them and when mine gets developed it has a very clear blue angel image behind me so it's all pink with a blue angel an indigo blue angel and uh that i guess is a very a distinct aura photo of a healer right. and so she prompted me she's like you really need to hone your gifts <laughs> you really like you have very intense amount of spiritual gifts and intuitive abilities but you need to learn how to cultivate that she was like the first person who sent me down that path so she she introduced me to go look in reiki look at reiki so i became attuned with that and that helped develop some of my spiritual connection and gifts and she actually introduced me to the book um hands of light by barbara brennan yeah that was perfect for someone like me because she's a NASA scientist. For those of you who don't know who Barbara Brennan is, she's a NASA scientist, super analytical person, but like really studied the science of energy fields around the body. And that helped me because I'm, I'm a student at heart. I always want to learn things. So I, I studied that book and, you know, just from there, it just started opening up and I realized, oh, this is why I've been feeling very um, like I don't belong or I'm really out of place or I just was had a really hard time relating to people growing up to be totally honest with you because when you don't realize you're hearing people's thoughts and feeling their own pain in your body it's very confusing mm -hmm. <laughs> to be in that space for those who may not understand what that feels like um, you don't know where you and the other person begins and ends like it's um, so to and I think there are actually a lot of people today on the planet who have these abilities and have these sensitivities and mm -hmm. intuition and psychic abilities. I, I don't use the word psychic, but I would say more extrasensory. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's part of our sensory abilities as a human. It's just that we're not taught how to cultivate it, right? Most families don't teach us this. Mm -hmm. Most cultures don't teach us this. Some do, but if you haven't been raised that way, if, it, they're, more, if they're more open to it, I would say. I have. Yeah. Um, I just did a, well, uh, one of my other interviews, really beautiful, her whole lineage, like her grandmother, she comes from Africa, she's a white African, and uh -huh. her grandmother had a, a, a medical, um, an in, a, a mystery school, sorry, is what it was, uh -huh. and so her whole lineage and her whole life, everyone was in, in, involved, her aunts, her uncles, her mother, um, and I found, I'm very much like you, I didn't have anyone in my family to support me. Nobody was having the conversation and I was very much the outsider and just kind of found my way through, actually you and I have a lot of similarities in experiences as well. Um, but I do love the Hands of Light because she does a beautiful job of marrying the science with spirituality and mm -hmm. describing it in a really impactful way that's very understandable. So. Yeah, there's the, it's finding those mentors and teachers, and I think they land in our lap when we're ready to, to receive them. Absolutely. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's just being open to and asking for that guidance. Yeah. And 
eventually learning that while you're seeking guidance outside to kind of reflect to you what's possible or what you are going through, mm-hmm. ultimately that guidance comes right back to yourself. And that is for me what has become my core message is taking people back to themselves and realizing that they are the ultimate guide. They are the ultimate guru. They are the ones who have the answers, but sometimes we just need to hear the reflection outside of ourselves to feel the resonance. Mm-hmm. So in setting the universal laws, you start to really see how physical reality actually works and how we're all connected mm-hmm. to everything simultaneously. Mm-hmm. That you showing up is a reflection of me, right? It's this literally a fractal of the same source of energy. Mm-hmm. And that this idea that we are even separate is what gets us into the biggest amount of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a separateness and aloneness. Well, and I think too, you know, being an extra sensory person, well, and that was a big part of my journey to California, was mm-hmm. I was looking for mentors. I was looking for teachers who... Um, I could speak to more openly about my gifts and seeing what I was seeing and experiencing. And, you know, California tends to attract a lot more people who are just so much more open-minded. Um, and I definitely find the frequency of California is a very powerful, the whole, the whole um, state is really interesting. But especially the San Francisco Bay Area is a very sacred, energetic place that I, I found really activated within me. Um, I'm much more, I never felt grounded when, I, when I'm there. I'm just, I'm barely touching the ground. And the power to manifest is, is really fun to play in there too. Yeah. So your, um, what would be, so as discovering being more of an extrasensory individual, um, and then I get, did you leave that behind and then get into the graphic design aspect or, and forget about it? Or at what point were, did you recognize you were denying your gifts and not paying attention to it? Or was it always there underlying? Yeah, I think that um, I was just really focused on the outer world for so long. I didn't pay attention to myself. I really, although I knew I had these, uh, I could feel discord in my body and I just didn't know what to do with it. It was always like that for me, uh, especially when people wouldn't tell the truth. So I had, the, and it, at first it was like a very much like, uh, I had an angst in me, like I needed to <laughs> prove something or I needed people to like uh, change for me. It, it evolved out of that. But at first it was just, I would feel when people would lie and I would get that affirmed later finding out, yes, that indeed was a lie. And so I really have a strong sense in my own body for what feels resonant, what feels like it lands in truth and what lands in a lie, what lands in falseness. Mm-hmm. And that was always there. And I think it guided me really well to make decisions in my life. But I did graphic design right out of college. So that was, that's when my health was at the, the worst point. And then that, then I moved into nutrition and then I moved into energy healing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just evolved more and more into what I do today as an energy healer and a mindset mentor. Mm-hmm. And what about the medical medium aspect? When did you start that correlation and connection? So that picked up when I I was on the board of directors for the Health Medicine Forum, which is a, um, they're no longer active, but it's a nonprofit here in Walnut Creek area with Dr. Len Saputo. And they would have healing circles with a, a patient would come who had severe challenges in their health. Mm-hmm. and this healing circle was a space we would hold for them. So these practitioners, I was one of them, would come to hold space for a person going through their journey, and I found that I was really able to see visions and see things very easily uh, with what the root cause was with their issues. So if they had cancer or something uh, that just had been really challenging for them to overcome, mm-hmm. I would usually get the insight of where it began or where it um, was originating, where the, the discord in their body was. Just by me putting my hands on them or checking in into their body, it, it almost came naturally for me to do that. And I didn't realize I was doing it until someone pointed out like that I was reading their energy and that I was 
they could feel me, you know, connecting to them. And so the doctor I was working with, Dr. Saputo, he actually allowed me to come and be a medical medium for his patients for a while. So I got to practice. It was almost like my training ground. And then I took a a mentorship program with an incredible medium, um, Pamela Erlin. She's a a clear channel and a a medium. Mm -hmm. And I also have Edgar Casey as one of my guides. So I tune in and it was all kind of experimental as well. So I started to just call in Edgar Casey, and I never really even did much research on him. I knew who he was, but I started asking for him to come support and help me in my sessions with clients. And so I would just start doing these processes and say things that I had no idea why I was saying them, and they would just be very affirmed by my clients that, Yes, that did happen. Yes, how did you know that I had an accident and you know damaged this part of my body or like just things that no one would know unless I, they told me. Mm-hmm. And so I just developed it more and more by just practicing training. You know, I wasn't perfect at it at first, but over the last five six years, it's become stronger. And actually, having my daughter um, Addison, who was born in two thousand sixteen while I was carrying her, while I was pregnant, a lot of those gifts came on even stronger. It was really interesting. And I've actually talked to some moms who say while they were pregnant, uh, some of their psychic or their intuitive gifts really amplified, Mm -hmm. right? Because being a mother is such an intuitive process. So I feel like going through that journey with her really amplified those abilities as well. That's really cool. Did any of that ever surprise you? Like, were you shocked by the experiences or um, even just recognizing that you were bringing in a different energy? Um, did that bother you or how did you handle that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not one who's fearful of much. I mean, I, it's not that I don't have fears in me that I'm working through, but I'm more curious. I'm more like, ooh, what is that? Like, that I kind of dove into like okay that's interesting and you know I would at the time really only talk to my husband or my coach about like what I was experiencing saying wow this this actually happened this this because it was just almost like I'd have to question it like did that happen Mm -hmm. did I make that up you know and you start to trust more and more and just let it lead you where it goes and yeah I I feel that it's the more you release fear around it, the easier it is to tune into that. When you have fear about that, thinking that, so the, the thing that really I would say saves all of that from being fearful is the law of free will. Mm. You really understand the law of free will, which is nothing can harm you unless you actually give consent. Mm-hmm. When I learned that, I never had any issues with what you know some people say they have issues with entities or spirits or you know things Mm -hmm. you know overcoming them that doesn't happen if you know your free will Mm -hmm. and you really practice being sovereign in your own body being sovereign and connected to your own light your own higher self Mm -hmm. and so that was something that i cultivated um really early on Mm -hmm. through the mentors i came across and that kept me grounded in Yeah. I mean, there are some moments where, you know, you see things and you experience things and you're like, okay, that's pretty big. I don't know how to process that, but that's where I think having a mentor, having someone to, you know, go through that with is really important because not everybody is meant to handle that. And depending on your mental state, like it's may not be something you're ready for you. There's, I don't always tell everybody to jump into their cultivating those gifts unless it is something they have laid the grounding foundation for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely an evolution. I was the opposite. I had a lot of experiences and I was freaked out. Ah, yeah. It took me time to learn about the law of free will. And I would definitely say I'm way more, nothing really surprises me or shocks me anymore. But at first it was, it was a very, um, I have lots of stories of, it was too much. Like it was, it was a area that I didn't really understand. It scared me a lot. And I resisted it, but then I got sick because then I wasn't, I was 
my body was being called into a higher level of alignment than my mind was willing to go. And so there was a deep separation for me. And, and that was a big part too of seeking out different mentors and, and constantly searching and seeking for people who could help me understand what was really happening to me. I lived in resistance for a long time and, and very much a lot of your experiences. I had a lot of those experiences too as a younger person when I can think back and really look at it clearly. And, you know, living in truth and false, that was always one of my challenges too, because I always saw gray energy around people who weren't telling the truth. And especially when I worked in corporate, because people were withholding, always withholding something, and I could always see it. And I was just, I was always so confused and perplexed by the actions that some people would take versus what they would actually express. And... Um, and I didn't really realize that I was an intuitive until years later when there was an actual, I got introduced to the words of it um, to help me understand what was happening. Um, but I think that's also what makes us amazing healers. We're being called into a higher level of service. And, and I have it in my astrology as well. So I, I don't understand all of astrology, but I've been told by astrologists that I definitely am a healer, a master healer in this life experience so just mm -hmm. get over yourself and just <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. eventually you don't have a choice and that's i mean you do have a choice but it's mm -hmm. more difficult to not align with what you came here and that's what i found because i remember a couple times after realizing that where my gifts and where my uh joy was was to go into healing and for reasons of money i decided to take a job again that um was you know, more aligned with my old skills as a graphic designer. And I took that job because um, I was laid off from, anyway, there was a, an issue with me being able to find work. And I was like, okay, I'll just take this job. It pays really well. And I had all the excuses for why it was going to be okay. And right, like my first day of the job, I came down with the worst flu I've ever had. Um, I started my period and it was like the worst period I've ever had. Like it was just like my whole body rejected being there. And I just remember like being in tears with my boss and just like, you know, I would keep messing up and it was just, it was really odd. It was like, this is not normally my experience with this work. And it just, I took the hint, I took the clue like, okay, keep on path because the more you keep on path the easier it is and the more you feel healthy and healed versus going down the wrong path you, your body is like it's almost like a messenger for you it's a tool it's a, a communication device that tells you when you're on and off path right because your body never lies mm -hmm. it never lies never lies and yeah it's like you might think oh this food is really yummy and i like this mm -hmm. food so i'm gonna eat it but then your body goes oh my stomach doesn't want to digest that food and it's going to tell you if it likes it or not right yeah so that's where i think getting past the mind of what mm -hmm. like your your mental space is so programmed based on what you have experienced in your past mm -hmm. that if you don't know how to override that programming you operate from that place and it's not from a place of truth it's from a place of what somebody community parents whoever programmed in you to be right and so sometimes we have to like work through all that to find what's really true mm -hmm. in core to our being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the biggest journey with all of us is really learning to tune in to what our body tells us and being able to listen to food. Um, I find it fascinating. I, ha I had one client that I worked with and I just said to her, muscle test, you know, everything that she was trying to eat was she was rejecting. And I said, well, what if you just muscle test and see what happens? And she went to the extremes of muscle testing to one leaf of spinach. And her body was willing to take that one leaf of spinach. And I'm like, well, if it's one leaf of spinach, it's one leaf of spinach. Um, and just allow yourself to play in that instead of judging it. And then work up to, to allowing more to come in. Um, but I find a lot of us are so, and me included, like I still am learning about, I work with the body energy in, in other aspects and, you know, still being in alignment with, with the whole, with food. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a fun experiment as well. And, and what would you say that you teach your clients? Like, how do you, how do you teach them to start to listen to themselves and start to listen to those messages? I love that you said make it play 
Like mm -hmm. being playful, I think is really key because you can take things too seriously and then you feel like you're messing up and not doing it right. So mm -hmm. I teach intuition. I teach people how to develop their intuition and how to learn how to discern and listen to their body and see the difference between what is automatic and programmed and what is like actually the core of what your body is trying to communicate. And so in the process of that, it's really, I, I create a foundational place for people to explore who they are mm -hmm. in their intuition. Um, I call it the presence practice. And so it's really developing a connection to this present moment and your present energy field. And mm -hmm. we are so busy. We get into all these doing activities, right? We are doers. That's what it is to be in the physical world. It's our nature. But ultimately, it's your being, how you are being and what you are doing that ultimately has that ability to uh, manifest what you want or what you don't want. And so going through a process that I've created over the last uh, six or seven years with clients and probably last eight years for myself, it's uh, what I call the integration. And it's five phases that people go through to integrate their mind, their body and their spirits into this cohesive unit experience of who they are and what they choose to create in the world from this really tuned in, aligned, and guided place. Mm -hmm. So those five phases, I could share more about it, but just essentially that's what came through as I was learning to heal my own body and my own life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I began sharing with people and seeing that, oh, this process really does work. When people follow it, they are seeing results. They're seeing how it gets them over their old programming and their old patterns in a really empowering way where it's not about someone telling you what to do, but it's about you learning what are your unique gifts? What are your unique abilities? And how do you want to uniquely show up? I use that word a lot, unique, because while we're all connected and the law of oneness is truth, we are unique expressions of that oneness. And I think it's allowing people to come through and know that you each, we each have our own unique way of showing up here. We don't, you know, while we might be doing very similar work, Dixie and I, it's like our expressions of it are very unique because of the form that we are, that comes through us, right? It's like you have your own experience that it comes through and it can not be replaced. Um, in a sense that I could never express it in the way that you express it. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. What do you feel? How do you, I, there's diet culture, right? So diet culture is definitely um, a huge multi-million dollar industry that brings people in. And yet there's always a start and stop and failure and a lot of beliefs, you know, it's really about breaking through a lot of the belief systems. And so how do you position yourself or how um, do you find that that is a topic with some of the people that come to you? Are they um, stuck in that, the diet fads? Um, and then how do you work with them to help them understand that it's more about pulling out your uniqueness? I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal is helping them to realize that. But how, yeah. I guess the question is more about how do we shift the conversation um, to helping people become more guided down the path that they do have the answers within them and uh, just to shift the conversation and more to more empowerment um, and self that they do have the opportunity to be in charge of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it, cause I had done a lot of teaching programs. I've taught uh, detox programs. I've taught different eating for health, eating programs throughout the years, and uh, worked with different companies and their nutrition programs. And so I've seen a lot and, uh, I also still work with a wellness company that teaches detoxification and clean eating. And I just kind of gave up wanting to teach that stuff and do that because uh, I would get really frustrated that people would know what would be healthier for them. Know, okay, I need to stop doing this and that, or I, I want to do this, but I'm not doing it. And so I became way more curious about like, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> There's this beautiful meal plan we laid out for you and the exercise program, but it doesn't happen. Even though we know that this is going to help you heal, 
I realized that wasn't the approach most people needed. It works for some people. Sometimes it's just really all people need is like a framework and then they get into it and it's, mm-hmm. it's what they need. But the majority I found really need to come back to themselves and get clear about where that discrepancy, where that discord happened in the first place with why they are at war with their body. Like why are they actually fighting their body and thinking their body is wrong? And what I, I would say the simplest way to explain it is what I learned was to help people get out of that resistance to where their body is right now. So a lot of people came with, to me through wanting to lose weight. That was like the number one thing I first started working with people with was they wanted to lose weight. And I wasn't going to, I'm like, I'm not going to give you food to eat. That's not what we're going to do here. What I'm going to do is teach you how to tune into your body, learn how to listen to the cues and be really connected to what you're putting into your body. And if you have that ability, if you just can slow down and just be connected to yourself in the moment and feel things, like really feel even when it's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. even when you don't want to feel it, allow yourself to be with that. You will get clarity about what your body wants and what it doesn't want. And part of that is also shifting a belief. So the main belief most people tend to have around putting things in their body that are harmful are the belief that they are not lovable. Mm-hmm. It's really at the core of it. It was um, example being this client of mine, he would always eat uh, chocolate and this unhealthy snack for himself around the afternoon. He did it without fail every day for years. It was just what he did. He couldn't seem to break that habit. And so we dove into what his core belief was happened to be, I am unlovable uh, from childhood, from his mother. And so when that was identified, what we're able to do is then actually release that belief from the field, release it from the cellular system, and then cultivate a new belief, cultivate a belief that is more supportive to the new reality, which is to only put foods in the body that are loving and nourishing. And so we brought in the belief, I am lovable. And when he integrated the belief I am lovable the very next day I remember him sending me a message he said you won't believe this I got out everything like I was going to have my you know little treat afternoon thing and it's I want to say this though it's not that that treat thing is bad it's not good or bad it's just that he knew it wasn't serving him he knew it was like that thing that kept pulling him out of being healthy and so when he got his um his chocolate and I think it was his coffee and something and a little bread treat or something. He didn't eat it. He said he put it on the table and he just walked away. Like he didn't actually need to eat it because he knew what he wanted was to feel loved. And because he actually had that belief now that he was lovable, he didn't eat the food that was actually trying to mimic that. Right. So if you get to the core of your belief around why you are stuffing yourself or why you are choosing things that are harmful Mm -hmm. that can break a cycle that's been going on for decades it's Mm -hmm. incredible self-love one is such a big one i think for most people what would you say are the other topics like what are some key belief systems that you often see besides not being lovable i'm not valuable Mm -hmm. i'm not enough Mm -hmm. a lot of it just stems from a lot of people were ignored. A lot of people weren't able to express their feelings and emotions as a kid. Mm-hmm. And this all comes from childhood because of the brain state that you're in when you're a child. So all of the programming and the messaging that's really takes shape, like that holds strong in your consciousness, is stuff that happened before age seven because you're in the delta theta brainwave states. Mm-hmm. And when you're in those states everything is a yes everything is conditioned so even if your parent says you know oh you know you're a bad kid for doing this or oh you don't deserve that right you might think well they should know they did something wrong and now they don't deserve it but a child who's younger than six or seven just hears the negative of it can't comprehend the whole process of why the parent's doing that and so even a well-intentioned parent um, can still program their kid to have these really core negative beliefs and then from there that just becomes who they identify with and they they don't realize until someone tells them you can drop that belief Mm -hmm. you really want to let go of old beliefs you can do it Mm -hmm. 
but if you're not conscious of what they are, then you don't even know it's running your life. You don't even know that it's there to be changed. Yeah, that's a, so huge. I think um, it's interesting, even just with my own journey to nourishment uh, has been really powerful. And that was my, that's actually my word for 2020 is nourishing and just breaking it down into, into other words. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, the, even just sati satiation, um, learning what it means to be fully satisfied and satiated um, in, in all practices, like from food to, you know, TV time or, you know, looking at all the different areas that we, we spend trying to fill, fill a void or trying to fill ourselves up. And it's, that's been my whole life is learning about nourishment and nourishing from the inside out. Absolutely. Each one of us has our own patterning, um, that are linked to those core belief systems and values. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. And it's not just about the food, you know, it really is. Everything has a mindset, even business. You know, when we're designing our business, a lot of it is the mindset, but people are caught up, well, I want the how, I want the structure. And same with food. We design the patterns, here's here's the program, it should work. And, but a lot of it comes back down to the belief systems and the deeper patterning that happens. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's we all come with our challenges and struggles to be embraced. And that is a thing that I think people need to give themselves a break. First of all, like when you realize, okay, I am having this struggle or this challenge to not judge yourself because when you judge yourself as being wrong or bad, or you basically reinforce that program and you have a stronger relationship with it. Mm -hmm. but really the first step to release from that is just acceptance that, okay, this is, this is where I am. This is it. And I don't need to let this be good or bad, but to be more curious about it. So mm -hmm. one of the techniques that, because I used to be someone who would just stuff myself, like I got away with it because I was very active and athletic. So I could just eat a ton of food, but I ate really crappy food, really, really crappy food. Mm -hmm. And um, I would just binge when I felt um, alone. And so I totally know how those patterns like take over. You're just like, wow. I just ate a whole bag of that. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. And I don't even feel full. Like, you know, I feel sick, but I don't feel nourished. Yeah. And what really, really takes you out of that place is having an acceptance for the you mm -hmm. who indulges in unhealthy activities or having compassion for that part of yourself because ultimately that is like your deeper child crying out for attention crying out to be loved and supported but most people look at it as like oh that's that's a you know the bad part of myself i don't i don't want people to see that i don't want to look at that mm -hmm. really that's your doorway in to healing is when you look at the parts of yourself that you really don't want to the parts that look uh, like your weaker links or you know the it's like that's where we can become more whole and become more unified right the integration is really about integrating all aspects of you so that you you don't have these pieces that are like hooks <laughs> that kind of keep pulling you back into that self-sabotage mode mm -hmm. so what are some things that you use some techniques to help you keep your motivation um going and to keep your energy high and and nourished helping you feel nourished from the inside out. Yeah, well, I am a physical being. So that is um, like when you come to looking at like your astrology and how you're comprised, like I am a being that has to move. I have to be physical. So I noticed during the first few years with my daughter when I was not exercising or taking care of my body, I became much more depressed and upset and more overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then I started claiming exercise for myself. So I just have to do some kind of movement. And it's not even much. It's just as long as I do 10, 15 minutes of moving. Because mm -hmm. it does something to your brain chemistry, literally, uh, to have that movement. And breathing. Breathing is like everything with getting energy to move. Because we, like when I'm stressed and anxious, I don't breathe past my chest, right? You probably feel like if you're, you're upset about something, it's stuck your breath doesn't go down to the core of your lungs and so for me pausing and taking a few deep breaths 
and just feeling airflow through me is really helpful. And then I always feed my mind with things that are going to empower me and things that are going to give me a higher perspective of my, um, who I really am. And so I have, you know, my, my journaling, my books that I read and people that I connect to. I think it's, you know, it's so true, like who you're surrounded with, what you're surrounded with affects you, even if you don't think it affects you. It really does. You have to um, manage energy. You're always managing energy. So if you're, if like you're around toxic people or people who are really negative and really challenging mm -hmm. on you, then it's, you have to kind of rebalance yourself, right? You kind of have to like always be working through that. So I've had to let go of people in my life. I've had to really distance myself from certain family members um, who, even though I love them, they just don't nourish my energy. And so I have more clear boundaries. That has been really, really helpful. That's big. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what about some rituals? So what rituals do you use? Um, and especially being a mom, I think that's a, another challenge because you're a business owner, you're a mom, um, and, and a wife, um, or, sorry, are you a wife? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and just that dynamic in relationship. How do you balance it all? And put, how, how do you keep yourself on track? You know, some days are better than others. I'll be honest, not every day is perfect. Some days I go, oh, I have some work to do here. But that's the thing is I'm open to looking at where I have work to do. And the rituals that come in for me are making sure I do a few yoga poses in the morning. So no matter what, if I don't get up before my daughter, I'll do them while she's eating breakfast. You know, I will just make sure that I get in. For me, it's I love doing sun salutations, and I just make sure that's my core in the morning. And I read my book that um, I'm reading, Way of Mastery, right now, and that has just really fueled me with um, with taking myself to the next level of my journey. Mm -hmm. And little moments to just connect to nature. I think that even just looking outside for me, if I've been in the house too long, I make a point to just at least get out in the backyard and take my shoes off, put my feet on the ground. You know, those things are very helpful. And then I have rituals with my daughter too. She's has special needs and there's a lot of challenges with uh, helping her to heal her body. And so for me, it's, I have to really practice staying grounded and, um, I do meditations with her. Uh, I do like, we, I do clearings at night, every night we clear our energy. I clear the day with her. And those things are super helpful. Cause I notice when I don't do like clear the day of the energy, we say we release and forgive today. We let it go. It's been perfect. And we release, release, release. And that I'd love it just for me, but I can tell she sleeps better when I do things like that. So that's beautiful. What do you think that your daughter has taught you the most? <laughs> to release the ego. Yeah. That is her big mission here to uh, let go of attachment to the ego and live in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. How old is she again? She's Four. She just turned four a few months ago. Yeah. yeah. And how's the dynamic in your in your family relationship with her development issues or challenges? Like as far as what does it look like, or so well, and the whole family dynamic with your husband, in-laws. Um... We're. I would say it's we're somewhat isolated in the fact we moved out. So we're in Vallejo because we're living in my dad's home um, who passed away several years ago. And actually both my fathers, I have a, a stepfather and my father, um, and they passed away oh, wow. while she was very young, one before she was born. And so, and my mom was far away and my, most of my family is very spread out. And so it's just us, it's my husband and I. It's, and that has been the most challenge. I think that has what has been the biggest challenge on us to grow through right. is that we can't do it all on our own. You know, even now being in the shelter in place, our daycare hasn't opened yet. So we haven't even had daycare support. It's just been him and I going back and forth with her. Right. Um, and we still have therapy for her. So we take her to therapy a lot mm -hmm. or it's online too. Mm -hmm. And so that is, 
like takes up a lot of our energy and our focus and always making sure she gets in enough physical activity because mm-hmm. at age she just started walking at age three. So she's significantly delayed, but she's catching up because of all the support she's been getting. She's been getting an incredible amount of support since she was one year old, less than a year old. And um, yeah, I think that actually what birthed for me this idea of really creating a village. And um, I've been wanting to, I've actually started interviewing moms as well about how they build their village, how, you know, it, it's just insanity to think that we live in these small units and we try to like raise a family with just the mom and the dad and maybe a little help here and there. But I really do believe we have to get back to the community being of support to families so that we can thrive and that we're not so fragmented from from that support because we're not meant to all do it all. Like that's the thing. I, I, I am not someone who is going to be happy just being a stay-at-home mom all the time. Mm-hmm. I need to get out and do my work in the world, right? I think some mothers are incredible at just being there for their kids and being there all the time. And we have to be honest when that's not really our excitement. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not that I don't love my daughter dearly. It's just that I need more autonomy. I need more time to do my thing. So being honest with ourselves, right? Like when we're trying to do too much, that's, that's where I've been trying to really look at how to find more balance. Yeah, that's powerful. And what about your relationship with your husband? How do you, how do you balance the husband and wife experience? It's definitely a challenge. Yeah. It's been an area we've had to actively work on. We've had to, because we we are best friends and we were best friends before, but this experience being parents in this way has tested us at every level. And the beautiful thing about it is, is that we've adapted really well and that he is on his spiritual journey. He has actually really gotten into self-development for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he does the work for himself and I do the work for myself. And it helps us come together and have more emotionally intelligent conversations. Mm -hmm. So we've really grown and worked on holding space for each other. Um, I think when you have a child with special needs, like really severe special needs, I mean, we're lucky. I feel like it could be so much worse than what we have. Like she's incredible. She is going to be okay. We know this. Um, But there are, I've met many parents who have, far more challenges with raising their kids um, with the needs they have and sometimes as parents we don't let ourselves mourn for that normal child's experience Mm -hmm. and we had to allow ourselves to do that so through therapy and through working with people to kind of help us see that you know we're holding a lot more than like if you look at a typically developing child there's so many things you don't normally have to take into consideration. So it's it, it's just being compassionate, <laughs> compassionate to the moments when it's it's too much and you really need to ask for support. So yeah, we we like to try to balance it and honor each other's. Uh, I would say we each have our practices that we need to have. So like he takes Aikido, that's what keeps him sane. Mm-hmm. And I connect with my, my women groups and um, doing yoga and things like that. It's like we really have to carve out personal time to be of service and be of the most grounded for our daughter. Mm-hmm. And what about your together time between you and your husband? How do you navigate that? Yeah, that, so sometimes, but we, it's kind of funny. We actually started making Friday nights our date night again. We, we stopped doing date night for so long and realized like we used to go and do all sorts of adventures together. And so we got back in touch with just tuning out the world and just being with each other. We do check-ins. We actually will check in with how are you feeling? Um, what are you afraid of? You know, we check in with each other's visions and our, our goals and, our, what we're seeing and that has been really helpful to just communicate and one of the things I will give a tip to to um, partners who just really feel like they're kind of um, challenged with being on the same page with each other we kind of made our relationship almost like a like it's, its own thing so we have check-ins on our relationship once a week we actually look at what our week looks like and we talk about our schedule we talk about what's happening and what we want to make sure we plug into the week what's important to us 
And that has been huge. We also leave a little opportunity to talk about what has been bothering us that week. So instead of picking at each other, because I think you can tend to do that when you're around each other 24 hours a day. So instead of picking at the little things, we just kind of make a note. If it really bothers us by Sunday evening, then we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I know he appreciates that. And I appreciate that too. So it's, yeah, I think it's really important not to have too many burdensome expectations on your partner to be a certain thing for you um, but to evolve together really like look at having that emotional intelligent conversation about where you want to grow together yeah those are some really powerful and vulnerable conversations I love that thank you for sharing that well and great tips and I do um I tend to see a lot of couples sometimes and that's their biggest thing is they're struggling in communication. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to have emotional, intelligent conversations without triggering each other in a big way. Um, and I, and I love that you guys sit down and talk about your week. I think, um, I had a lady in my life once and she shared with me what her and her husband did and they literally had an office meeting every Monday. And they would literally go to his office and sit down and plan out their week and talk about everything for three hours. And not that you need to do the three, you know, but this was there. They had very social calendars. Um, mm-hmm. And how could they, what were they doing? What did their, they sync their calendar? What were they doing together as a couple? What were they doing separately? You know, what were their finances like? Dinner parties, events, like every, everything was on the table every single Monday. Um, and that was their time to coordinate and, and talk. And I think... You know, we forget, um, and I often talk to families too. It's like there, there needs to be a family, family meetings, family conversations, just like you do with your business. Um, regardless of what it is, you need to have a vision and a direction and conversation, communication and connection, um, to ensure that everybody's on the same page and, um, you know, and to air out the dirty laundry, whatever it is, however you want to call it, but just be be mindful of what is, what is lingering? What are you holding on to? And that's beautiful. So thank you for sharing all of that. Um, so we're just coming up to the end of our time. So what do you, what would you like to, um, any last advice or any last experiences that you'd like to share? Mm, gosh, we shared so much. Yeah. I, I really want people to know that no matter what's going on around you, no matter what it looks like in the outer world, the most important thing is to cultivate how you wanna feel within yourself and realize that that does not have to be disturbed by what you are seeing playing out around you. The more you cultivate being the eye of the storm or being in a space of peace, Mm -hmm. uninhibited by what's going on around you, you're able to show up and be of true service instead of adding to the collective fear, adding to, you know, the, the discord that's going on in our, on our planet today. We need more people to show up in their power, like their true power that can be expressed. So others can actually tune into that as well. So that is my, (laughs) that is my big final message for everybody. That's a beautiful message. Yeah. Beautiful reminder. Yes. And to, you know, not let fear rule the way. Yes. Thank you, Dixie. Thank you. This is so lovely. Um, so think, and I think you have, um, do you want to talk a little bit about your, your offer? I think you, um, I'm going to share a link uh, for Sarah. So she's got um, at her sarahlynwayne.com, five steps. Um, so you can go to that link. I'll share the link in the show notes. But what is the, what is the offer that they get there? If they're interested, they can go check out the five phases of integration. I mm-hmm. talked a little bit about what I teach people. And it's just an introduction to what those five phases are and actually the first meditation of the presence practice. So you can get the full experience of tuning into yourself and your energy field and setting an intention for how you want to show up in your day. 
Mm -hmm. I love that. And, you know, presence is the biggest thing. It's what I teach my clients as well. Mm -hmm. um, you don't, presence is an absolute foundational building block to everything. So I love that. And especially being aware of our energy field and, and our surroundings and how we're showing up. So all really beautiful, delicious things. Thank you. So to our viewers, thank you for watching. I hope you found some value. And of course, love for you to continue the conversation, post, share out, put your comments below. Um, and if also, if you like, you can join my Facebook group, Inspired Women Gathering. Come and join the conversation over there. Um, until next time, um, bringing you hope, light, and love and an abundant love. We'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you.